All right, welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand. Uh, after the Minnesota Vikings season came down with TJ Hawkinson on fourth down, well short of the sticks in a play that uh, Ben, Mike, as we were just talking about before we started this, will surely be talked about over and over again and debated and dissected and picked apart about what should have happened, what could have happened. Uh, but the Vikings 13 win season, one that we'll talk about too at length about um, how to contextualize it, how much of a success and failure it was and wasn't, um, but one that was still full of ups and downs and a lot more ups than tonight when they uh, fall short in this one. A lot of ways to go with it, but we should probably start with what fans last saw on the final play. Um, ben, what stood out to you when you're crafting the story around talking after talking to Kevin O'Connell, Kirk Cousins, and the players involved? Yeah, um, it was – I mean, Cousins basically said he felt like – I mean, his, his first thought on that was to try to throw to Jefferson. Jefferson had not been targeted the entire fourth quarter. I think the last pass Cousins threw towards him was kind of that deep shot where Jefferson basically had to play defensive back. Late in the third. So the hope was to throw Jefferson there. Looked like he had inside leverage, but that safety kind of shaded over the top. Well, actually, it was kind of an inside-out double. So he said he didn't feel good about that, throwing it there. Said he felt like he was going to take a sack. I mean, it was, you know, you can't obviously take one of those there. So you got to get the ball to somebody and try to make a play. Um, you know, the, the people looking at the dots afterwards, you can say K.J. Osborne maybe over the middle. You could say... Adam Thielen, maybe on the left side, Dalvin Cook, maybe. Um, I, he had quite a bit of traffic in his lap, I think, uh, as he did a lot of the game. So I, I think his thought process, as he said, was just um, get it out and try to make sure somebody has a chance to get a first down. I mean, it's, it's not a perfect situation. Um, I think you're figuring somebody has a better chance of getting eight yards by – catching it running than uh, me trying to throw a ball into traffic. Now, <laughs> throwing a ball up for grabs and hoping Justin Jefferson's on the other end of it has worked for them before this year. So I asked Jefferson about it after the game, too. He said, yeah, I'd beaten the um, beaten the corner, but, yeah, the double was there, but I, I would have liked to have a chance at it. So um, O'Connell and Cousins talked about it after the game a little bit on the sidelines. It looked like the discussion got somewhat animated. It didn't seem like it was heated, but – um, yeah, it's, you know, certainly O'Connell talked about wanting to have the ball further downfield. I mean, you, you want to throw to the sticks. There, there's no question about it, but, um, as has so often been the case, you are trying to do it from a suboptimal pocket, which again was the story tonight. Yeah, Mike, they had pressure right up the middle there. And, um, not only was Jefferson facing the bracket coverage on that fourth down? Uh, it was the similar coverage on third down and much throughout the game. Jefferson said afterward, it was no surprise. It was exactly what we've seen over and over again. Uh, but it's worked at, at times against the Vikings. And Kirk, well, interesting to me, Kirk said that the third down pass to KJ right before that was yep. the one he most lamented in terms of not putting it out farther in front of KJ. Yeah, that, <clears throat> that makes sense. That one was looked like it was there, and it was hard to tell until the replay like what exactly happened. But that that was one they could have had. But that, you know that fourth down play again. I think I think I think Ben was right to contextualize it, right? Because you the, the instant instinct is to say, well, Kirk threw 
threw short of the sticks. That's just old Kirk coming up. And, you know, I, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you want that ball past the sticks. But to Ben's point, he'd been under duress all game long. You know, he'd been facing pressure. He'd been taking a ton of hits. He'd been, you know, trying to, he'd been making a lot of plays in the face of a lot of pressure. The line did not hold up great against what we thought was thought was going to be a storyline, which was that really good New York front. And they blitzed a little bit, maybe not as much as I thought they would, but they still blitzed plenty and got plenty of pressure on him. So on that play, <clears throat> right, you don't want to take a sack. You don't want to go down and then give nobody a chance to make a play. Like, like It's all second guessing. It's all happening in real time. When you go back and look at it five times, it's like, well, maybe this guy would have been a better option. He's got, he's got to make those decisions in real time. It, it's just disappointing, I think. To, it's just disappointing, I guess, when you see a game end that way. You don't, you don't, you don't know what would have happened if he gives Jefferson a chance, or if he, you know, gives Osborne a chance over the middle when Osborne maybe had a, half a step on a guy. He didn't have a ton of separation. Like the coverage on that play was pretty good. That was the thing. The coverage on the play was pretty good, and the pass rush was pretty good. Wasn't a whole lot Cousins could do. Hawkinson was really well covered. That was the only real quibble. Like you looked at Hawkinson, you were like, it's going to be tough for him to get out of that in any way, shape, or form. And he didn't. So I don't think I don't think that undoes everything Cousins did well in that game, but it's certainly going to be the talking point for a lot of people going forward. Um, Kirk Cousins started that game 7 of 7 on the opening drive and was doing very, very well uh, after dicing up the Giants in that first game on December 24th. And so, Ben, so much of what he was doing tonight, too, was making up for what the defense was giving up. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was interesting in the sense that I mean Daniel Jones hurt them more than Saquon Barkley did. Saquon Barkley had a great game on Christmas Eve and really was kind of the driving force for a lot of that tonight. It was Daniel Jones on a lot of zone read stuff. I mean, it was it was all it reminded me a little bit of not to this degree in terms of the number of yards, but he did make some history. It reminded me a little bit of Colin Kaepernick against the Packers back in 2012 when Kaepernick ran all over the place. Jones became the first quarterback, first player, I guess. It has to almost be a quarterback to do this, but ran for more than 70 yards, uh, threw for more than 300, and had two passing touchdowns. First player ever to do that in an NFL playoff game. And ended up being their leading rusher. Had a number of drives where him keeping the ball on the backside and crash was all they were doing. I mean, it was you know kind of fundamental zone read stuff that teams have been running for you know, in the last 10 years or so in the NFL since Kirk Cousins was the backup for that RG3 team that kind of brought it into the league. And uh, the Vikings just didn't have an answer for it. I mean, Daniel Jones really gave them as much trouble as anybody and, and threw from a clean pocket most of the night. I mean, I think he got hit three times or four times in the game. They had a couple of sacks, but those kind of, kind of came late in the game. And a couple of those were kind of clean up things in comparison. I think that the Giants hit Cousins – didn't sack him, but I think hit him 11 times and obviously was uh, he had quite a bit of pressure in his lap for most of the day. So, yeah, that, that defense, again, you know, it's a lot of these same things we've seen where the pass rush goes quiet, um, too much space in coverage. I thought Eric Kendricks got beat on some things that were a bit unnerving. Um, and, yeah, in the end, it, they just didn't get enough stops early to keep themselves out of a game where they're having to frantically come back. Yeah, they, they could not handle Saquon Barkley's speed on the perimeter. Um, he looked like a guy running against 30-year-old linebackers, as you mentioned. Um, 
Daniel Jones as well on those. And then the outside coverage was poor at times. Isaiah Hodgins goes for 105 and a touchdown. The Giants, Mike, I was remarking on this before we started too, but they had a five-play 85-yard drive for a touchdown and a 20-play 85-yard drive for a touchdown. That was a field uh, goal could, drive. That was a, that was a field goal drive, actually. Or sorry, for a field goal. My bad. My bad. Um, yeah. Either, either way, they they were just getting run up and down. Uh, it was it was a track meet at times, and then also when they wanted to dink and dunk, the Giants could do that too. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it, and it was almost like it was like people were uh, people were ready to celebrate. I mean, it was like Vikings got the ball and went right down, scored a touchdown, seven nothing right away. Like we've seen a lot this year. The scripted stuff worked really well. And then the defense comes on the field, and it's a total buzzkill, right? It was like the the place was loud. U.S. Bank Stadium, like people were like, yeah, really like ready to celebrate. You know this this you know hey thirteen and four playing a nine seven and one team. Who are these guys coming in? The Giants just march right down the field, and then <clears throat> I don't know how much we want to get into this, but the the drive after that is the ill fated third and one pass back from Jefferson to Cousins that. You know, I thought <clears throat> I thought O'Connell had a few uh, pretty bad moments in that game, and that was certainly one of them. Um, that drive stalls. They they come right back out. They score again. Like they didn't really do much to stop them until it, like Ben said, it was almost too late, and it was it was just really it was looking like they were just too slow and the scheme was too bad to to keep up with what was pretty much a mediocre offense during the season. The 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 third down play. O'Connell said afterwards we were we were hunting an explosive play on that, and the Giants basically I think kept the corner in a spot where that wasn't going to happen, um, so it didn't work. And it, they didn't audible out of it when they didn't get the look they wanted. And I, I followed up with O'Connell and said, so just to clarify, when you say explosive play on that, did, did were you thinking that Jefferson may have? I kind of wanted to give him a, enough rope to. Well, you know, um, I, I asked him, did you think the explosive play was going to be Jefferson possibly having a chance to get around the side and the throwback was was kind of a backup? He said, no, the the explosive was to try to throw back to Kirk and get something out of that. So maybe you're hoping there's just enough wide open space for that to happen. But if you're chasing an explosive play, I would generally think that Putting the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands of all of the places you could put it on your offense is not going to be the most likely place to get the no. big gain that you're looking for, unless it's just such an element of surprise that they're not expecting it. There's nobody over there, maybe at that point, but um, that felt a little cute at, well, uh, yeah, at the moment, and, I think. Especially on third and one, like you can hunt an explosive play on. I don't know, like second and one or first and 10. Like if you, if you love that play, there's a time and a place for it in a game where you don't know if you're going to be able to trust your defense to get stops. You got to get first downs. You got to keep the drive going. And that just totally stalled their momentum. I just, it makes me think of the old adage that you hear coaches talk about in June and July in their laid back spring and summer practices when they talk about call players, not plays, you know, meaning like just put the ball in your playmaker's hands and, and don't try to overthink it. And then we get to these moments and it's like what that just seemed like a classic example of potentially overthinking it. Although that's with my 
very limited knowledge base on NFL play calling. But Kevin O'Connell did say afterward that he did not like that play call, uh, obviously, uh, with how that one panned out. Um, the Vikings, though, are one of the biggest changes uh, in things moving forward and topics is certainly this defense, the changes that are going to come just personnel wise. Uh, we'll have to see if any changes come coaching wise. Ben, what did you think of what Kevin O'Connell had to say when he was asked directly about changes on the coaching side of things uh, with defense? It's one of those things It's you know, when speaking of the abrupt ending of tonight, it's it's a little it's a little kind of uh, fresh to be in that mode right now. Um, but offensively, defensively, and special teams, we're going to take a look at our entire football team, personnel, schematics, um, how we coached, uh, what things we could do better uh, to help put our players in positions to have success, uh, help put the personnel that we have in positions to have success, uh, and it'll be an entire, uh, you know, an, an entire part of what this job's all about is being critical, having the ability to evaluate your football team and, and what the intent was, and then being able to make adjustments to try to better uh, what what you are as a team. So that's what I'll do starting really starting tomorrow. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, he said that's a that's going to be a question for another day. But he also said we're going to evaluate everything. He he did not at any point or in any way squelch the speculation that's going to start about Ed Donatel's future. I mean, I, I think it's reasonable, you know, based on some of the things he said and based just on a little bit of what we've heard that that's going to be evaluated. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they decide to go in a different direction there. I mean, you know, that in the end, I think had as much to do with why they lost this game as anything, just that they were not able to get the stops they needed when they had to have them. And, and this has been a defense that when it has gotten stops, it's typically been turnovers. I mean, this has been a group that when they've been able to hold up, it's either takeaways or, making plays in the red zone, or sometimes it's been takeaways in the red zone. They got none of those things tonight. Um, certainly on the takeaway front, they got none of what they needed. And you're stuck, again, being outgained, giving up, I think, 440 yards, which has been you know, all too often this season. So I would not be stunned if there's a change there. Um, I would keep a very close eye on what the Los Angeles Chargers do. Because if Brandon Staley does not survive the collapse that the Chargers went through last night, my bet would be that's one of the first calls Kevin O'Connell makes. Kevin O'Connell and Brandon Staley have a very good relationship from their time together in L.A. And Brandon Staley, of course, has been in this system and has been one of the architects of this system. He's gotten a lot of credit for the work he did with the Rams. So if he is available, I would be very, very surprised if there's not a call made to him if, in fact, the Vikings are looking for a defensive coordinator. Yeah, Mike, um, just just in terms of this Vikings defense, um, I, I think when you look at the, the season as a whole, you see a lot of ups and downs, right? But when you look at this defense, it's been pretty consistently an issue for them. Um, I know they've got a lot of talent, but it's kind of hard to find those bright spots when it comes to Ed Donatel's first year. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you don't want to get into this, you know, pattern where you're recycling your coordinators. It makes me think of, you know, Zimmer and his offensive coordinators and how he just went yeah. through went through a different one almost what every year for the last 6 years. And some of that was, you know, some of that was positive, right? Like, you know, guys got hired for jobs, Shermer and Stefanski got hired for head coaching jobs. So not all of it was, you know, a blow up or things like that, but you, you do want that continuity. 
But if a guy's not getting it done, if you're not if you're not having the success you want, if you don't like the way someone's running your defense, you got to make a change. Now, <clears throat> I think blaming Ed Donatel for all of it is too convenient, right? It's not just Ed Donatel. They were a lot of these same players struggled in Mike Zimmer's system. A lot of these same issues were the same as 2021, 2020. Like, and these guys are only getting older. Like, they've got a lot of issues to address on defense, and they did themselves no favors this year with the draft and some bad injury luck, I guess, if you want to call it that, with Lewis Seen and Andrew Booth both getting hurt and lost for the season. But it didn't seem like either one of those guys was trending towards being a major contributor right away, at least, before they got hurt. So they have they basically had very little, by the way, of new talent infusion into that defense. You couple that with a new scheme and one that didn't seem to be terribly effective, and maybe players losing a little bit of faith in that scheme as the year went on, he just kind of had a pretty bad recipe by the end of the year, and it showed at the worst possible time. Yeah, Ben, we've been talking on and off for the last few weeks, probably months, about how there's a lot of change potentially coming. I mean, do you still feel that way about uh, this roster, specifically when it comes to the players? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, you know... the list of names of guys that could be gone is one we've gone over a little bit, but it's probably worth doing again. I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, guys that have big contract numbers that are on the other side of 30, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, uh, Zadarius Smith, I would wonder about now. I mean, he, he's had a lot of pressure this season, but he's got like a $14 million cap number and only had a sack and a half the last two months of the year. So... Um, I, you know, we'll see what happens with him, but, you know, Daniel Hunter has a big cap number. He's not 30. He'll be, uh, 29 in October, I believe, but Dalvin Tomlinson's a free agent. Um, you know, there's a lot of Patrick Peterson's a free agent. So there's a lot of decisions to make with a lot of those players. I think I, you know, Eric Kendricks has been awfully productive for an awfully long time, but tonight was, it was a, a tough look for him, I think, overall. And I, I think an off-ball linebacker in this scheme, given their cap situation, given what they think of Brian Osamoa, is already going to be one of those things that you wonder, okay, is this guy going to be back? But uh, that game tonight, I don't, I don't know that that did him a ton of favors in that regard. So, yeah, I, I think there are a lot of changes coming. Um I think they have to do some things to give themselves some room to play with because you have to go find money probably for a little bit more help on the offensive line. You have to make a decision on Garrett Bradbury. You're going to have to pay Justin Jefferson at some point in the not too distant future. And then on the defensive side of the ball, you have to get corners. You have to probably get, I'm sure they'd love to add another tackle that can be really disruptive in the middle of that defense. And, the edge rusher question, I think, is still going to be there, even if those guys are back. So there are a lot of needs at expensive positions, and I don't know that they're going to have the money to go play in a ton of those places. But giving yourself a chance at a guy or two, I think, is probably worthwhile, given where they are. Mike, to Ben's point, I found myself very quickly in that game, which I never thought I would uh, in a Vikings playoff game this year, saying, where's Brian Osamoa? They need more Brian Osamoa. Yeah, I, I agree, although he looked like he got shaken up early in a, on a special teams play. I don't know if that special was a factor. Play. I don't know if that was a factor at all, but 
Yeah, he he's he was the one guy that like has the sideline to sideline speed and athleticism that could have impacted some of that game because you're right it just seemed like they were getting the Giants were getting to the edge way too easily and it was you know I think it was one time that like Dalvin Tomlinson was trying to chase down Daniel Jones it just it just looked like really it it just wasn't it just wasn't happening like you know you wouldn't expect Dalvin Tomlinson to be able to chase him down but it just they looked old and slow in a lot of times in this game like they just weren't able if they were in position they just weren't able to to make the play and, you know, it was just, I don't know. It was just, I think we've been kind of treading, we've been honest about the defense throughout the season, but I think we've been kind of treading lightly on it because like, hey, 13 and four, you don't want to just like, you don't want to say, hey, this team's got no chance or this team is, you know, this is going to blow up on them. But I think we could kind of all see this kind of game coming based on what we've seen in the regular season, that the defense just wasn't all that good. And that if this was going to end this way, it was probably going to be because of the defense, and it was kind of an honest accounting of of what the defense has really been like for a lot of the season in this game. And it was especially one of their worst performances, too. Not just you know bad, but one of their worst. I think it was their tenth or eleventh time allowing four hundred plus yards this season. Yeah. Um, just horrendous, and the third most yardage they've allowed in a playoff game in franchise history. Uh, so it's going to lead to changes, whether coaching-wise, personnel-wise, or both. Uh, and we will be talking to you about that throughout the offseason. And we're going to hear from more players this week. We will hear from uh, Kevin O'Connell and presumably Quase Adolfo Mensa later this week, as well as the Vikings wrap up this 2022 season and put a bow on it. And we will try to do the same for you guys. In the meantime, you can check out all of our work at StarTribune.com. And check out all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you get your podcasts.